As I was saying, I was reading through the prayers of the Bible, King Solomon's prayer in particular, and I just loved how he goes through scenario after scenario in his prayer saying, if this happens, if this happens, if if there's a plague, if there's a pestilence, if there's a, a drought, if uh, your people are in captivity, and he goes through these scenarios, and he's basically praying that if they pray in that situation, in all these various situations he's enumerating, if they pray then hear from heaven, hear thou from heaven. He's asking the Lord for the future generation to please hear from heaven when they turn and pray to the Lord in their desperate situation. And it's not just that he's asking the Lord to hear from heaven, he's asking the Lord to forgive. To me, that's the operative idea in Solomon's prayer. He's, he's asking for forgiveness. And that implies that the predicament that they are in um, is a result of sin and a need for forgiveness and a need for reconciliation. These prayers that we pray are not without an end. They're not without a purpose. I mean, we're not just praying for the sake of praying and as if there's some sort of therapy in our praying in and of itself. We are praying to an end. We're actually praying with a petition in mind. And the petition for Solomon was forgiveness. And if you take that one step further, the the real goal of even forgiveness is reconciliation and fellowship with God and that the Lord would be with us. Isn't that the ultimate end of asking for forgiveness in any relationship, really? You ask for forgiveness with your friend or with your spouse. What's the end goal? The end goal is reconciliation. The end goal is blessing and that, that is the end goal in Solomon's prayer. He's praying, yes, for himself, but he's praying for the future. He's praying for his children, the future generations. And he's praying for us, essentially, because he's saying, even if they're not part of uh, Israel, if they're from some foreign country, and if they're from a stranger, he's saying, hear their prayer and forgive as well. So there's a sense that we are the answer to Solomon's prayer, even still. And by the way, Daniel, this is just a side thing, Daniel picks up on that and he he's probably thinking to himself, well, wait a second, we fit in one of those categories. We're in captivity and so we're gonna pray. I'm going to pray. And Daniel's prayer is, is largely about forgiveness as well. We need forgiveness. We are sinful. The church is in sin right now. The church is is not in a healthy place. And we need the Lord to forgive us. That's Solomon's prayer. Moses' prayer. Great prayer. 
a lot of his prayer is taken up with the uh, the brevity of life and just this realization that hey our time is sh- so short you know the lord is great he goes from everlasting to everlasting but our time is short our lifespan is what 70 years 3 score and 10 if by reason of strength 4 score years but is there strength labor and sorrow there there is just a weakness built into our own lives compared to god everlasting to everlasting our lives are ever so weak moses's great prayer and then when you think of jesus's prayer jesus is praying for us he is praying for us he has the cross ahead of him he has this great climax of what he was sent here on earth to do right before him just hours away and his prayer is filled with petitions for us it's beautiful Uh, like i say i would encourage you to read it with tremendous care don't go gloss over any word any phrase but the big petition in Jesus's prayer to me is for us and in particular for our unity. I mentioned this the other day and my thoughts were really more scattered but I believe this with all my heart that this is the need for God's people. And it's not just unity for the sake of unity as I mentioned in the email. It's not just so that we can have you know, you want unity among your children just so you can have some peace and quiet, you know. You just want some peace and quiet in the household. You don't want to hear fighting and and, and, and all that. And so, uh, but this is not the end goal, simply that God's household has, you know, peace and quiet. That's not the end. The end of the unity of God's people is much higher than that. The end of the unity, the goal of the unity for God's people, is for God's glory. That, that that may communicate. His glory may communicate through his people, through his united people. In John chapter 17, <clears throat> we'll just uh, go through here very, very quickly because um, we have about another minute or two. John chapter 17, the Lord Jesus, he has some petitions in this prayer. And the very first verse, near the end, it says, Glorify thy Son. That's a petition. That's that's a request. Glorify thy Son. Verse 5, he repeats it. O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That is a petition. And that is something we can pray to, Lord glorify christ where we are taking up his own prayer we're saying glorify jesus christ in the world but there's a way that happens you see as you proceed down the prayer in verse 11 at the very last phrase that they speaking of us may be one look at this as we are That kind of unity, 
We're talking about the same unity that that the Trinity has. He's praying that for God's people, for his people. And in verse 21, that they all may be one. There it is again. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That's a big petition. That kind of unity. The next verse, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them, thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. This is the petition of the Lord Jesus And if you read on just a few pages over in Acts chapter 1, you see the answer to that. Because they were all, in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, these all continued, the disciples, with one accord. There you go, in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with the brethren. There's the answer to that. And what happened? What happened? Chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So now we're talking. They were continuing in this in this pattern of united prayer for some days. For some days. Remember, they, they were wanting to, to, to go and to get out there and preach the gospel. But I'll just remind you here in chapter 1, verse um, 4, it says, they were commanded that they should not depart. Don't move. Don't leave just yet. Just hang on. But wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard. And so as they continue this way for a number of days, praying, praying, and praying, chapter 2, they were all with one accord in one place. It's emphasized there, friends, And what happened? Same thing that happened at the end of Solomon's prayer. The fire came down from heaven. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. A rushing mighty wind. And there appeared tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Every single one of them had the fire of God fall upon them. This, this book, <clears throat> Case for United Prayer, this is the book that we've been uh, handing out. It makes a case for united prayer. Jonathan Edwards, in his booklet, An Humble Attempt to Promote What? What's he trying to promote? Explicit agreement. Not just agreement. Explicit agreement. That means something that's very, very explicit. And visible union something that people can see of God's people in extraordinary prayer. And that's it. And that's what we're praying for, friends.